G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. rode home from a particular race stage on the Saturday. Beautiful day, sunny, and was coming up to a set of traffic lights, almost stationary. I believe I was possibly rolling at a very slow speed, and an elderly gentleman had gone through a red light prior to our traffic lights, and then hit me from behind, threw myself headfirst into a cobblestone brick wall, My computer on my bike's last recorded speed was roughly about 50 kilometres an hour. All families have their fair share of challenges. Some go through them more publicly and dramatic than others. Today's guests, David and Kylie Payton, are one of the latter after David not once but twice nearly lost his life after two major bike accidents. Kylie has written a book called Miracle Man about her family's journey through this and the lessons they have learnt along the way. That's David and Kylie Payton, our guests today with my wife Kate and myself Brett Ryan, folks on the family, Australia. And we'd like to thank Life FM in Adelaide for recording our guest side of the conversation. Well, welcome to the program, David and Kylie. Well, tell us a little bit about the family. Uh, well, it's obviously David and myself. We've been married for 18 years, together for 19 years. We live in Two Wells, which is a country town in uh, South Australia having relocated from Victoria three and a half years ago. Um, We've got two children. Caitlin's now 17 and in year 12. And uh, Joshua is 13 and in year seven this year. Right. And what did you do for a living, David? Prior to my initial accident, we were a self-employed small business. We contracted to a major food supplier in Australia. My first accident put an end to that because that involved a lot of heavy work, driving trucks, etc. So that put an end to that. So that's 2011 since I last actually worked. Right. Well, you mentioned the accident. Take us back to the first accident. And when it actually happened? Uh, As January 2011. We were living in Victoria at the time, but we're on our annual holiday in Adelaide for the Tour Down Under, which is a professional cycling race. And it was a Saturday afternoon that I don't know how many times I'd done it, but for a number of years, uh, we rode home from a particular race stage on the Saturday, um, as we had always, and we're probably five minutes from the caravan park at the time, and beautiful day, sunny, no wind, not a problem with being seen, and was coming up to a set of traffic lights, almost stationary. I believe I was possibly rolling at a very slow speed and an elderly gentleman had gone through a red light prior to our traffic lights and then was either not watching or just didn't see, hit me from behind, threw myself headfirst into a cobblestone brick wall. 
my computer on my bike's last recorded speed from memory was roughly about 50 kilometres an hour. Oh, goodness. So that would have been the impact because that would have been the last thing that it recorded. Um, a car that was sitting next to me, its rear axle moved forward that far that the car couldn't be driven. So that was the sort of impact that he hit. Um, I don't recall getting hit. I've been told that's what happened. Mm-hmm. I have some memories of lying on the ground. One probably distinct memory was an actual doctor who was sitting in his car at the traffic lights behind and I later found out he got a blanket out of his car to put over me because he assumed I was dead. Um, Didn't think he was coming up to talk to somebody that was going to be able to talk back to him, was assuming he was going to cover over a dead body as it was roughly four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in the Adelaide CBD and obviously didn't want too many people seeing that. No, I can imagine. But that, in the end, funny enough, while it definitely changed the direction of our lives, was somewhat a minor incident. Um, <laughs> and that may sound funny, but it was approximately two days in hospital. That was the Saturday. I had surgery in Adelaide on the Sunday, mm-hmm. and we were driving home on the Tuesday back to Melbourne. So what were the injuries that were sustained in that first accident? The long-term injury is I broke my left elbow Mm -hmm. and the problem with an elbow break is that it's put in plaster on a 90-degree angle, Mm. whereas most breaks in the body are plastered in a straight position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with it being in that position for such a long time, it changes the tendons, the bicep and the tricep, etc., Yep. So I was never able to return to extending my arm. Mm-hmm. So that basically affects everything I do in regards to reach, um, yep. whether that be trying to lift something off the ground, something above my head. I couldn't drive a manual vehicle because I don't have the reach in that to move a gear stick, um, doing up my shoelaces. Basically everything that I do in life is not normal. Kylie, what was your reaction to the accident? Were you in Adelaide? Were you close by? Um, Yeah, the kids and I had been with David and a group of friends up at the stage. We'd driven back to Adelaide. Um, The the one thing that resonates now for me that I remember was I'd been angry with him all day. I don't know what we'd fought about that morning, but as I say in the book, it must have been a doozy because I was angry with them all day. It was the end of a really hot 10-day spell. You know, Adelaide in January can be extremely hot and it was that year. I was tired. The kids were grumpy. We didn't want to be there. Uh, And it was actually on the trip home. I thought to myself, Dave will have got over this hours ago. You know, we have a fight and he's forgotten about it 90 seconds later. Um, I just need to get over it. You know, it's our second last day on holidays and make the most of it. So when the kids and I got back to the caravan park, I was in a good place. I was happy. I was looking forward to him getting home. We were going to go and, you know, have a swim and and do some stuff with the kids. And my phone rang and it was him. And I answered it. Oh, hey, babe. And there was another voice on the phone. It was his mate, Jason. And he goes, Kylie, it's Jace. Uh, There's been an accident. Dave's okay, but you need to get down here now. Wow. So you can imagine my heart you just hit the floor. Mm. I said, you know, where are you? And he goes, we're 500 metres from the caravan park. And I'm like, are you kidding? So, so close to them, having got home safe. So bundled the kids in the car, drove down there. Jace came over and stayed at the car with the kids and I've walked over and he's just on the ground in the fetal position and there's a, a ring of people sort of blocking his body view from the traffic. 
And I just looked at him and this complete stranger wrapped her arms around me and said, everything will be okay. And of course, you know, I cried, she cried. Little did she know, or did I know at that stage, everything was not going to be okay for a very, very long time. But Your whole world um, is being turned upside down. Yeah, in that split second. Yeah, split second, second in centimetres and our entire world changed. So there you are. You're obviously been very fortunate. There was no head injury at this time, but your whole life has been interrupted because your employment has been interrupted and you're driving home and then you start looking at what the future holds for you. Yeah, so he's lying in emergency. I'm standing there going, we're not going to make a home to go back to work. So I'm madly ringing staff trying to get coverage for our shifts for the next week because we're self-employed, we're contracted. If we don't show up, we lose our contract. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's our form of income. It supports our family. Uh, So I was already in that mode of what do I have to do? What do I have to do? So then, you know, long story short, he gets operated on. We get told that I can fly him home and this voice inside me is going, do not put him on the plane. And he was having, he couldn't walk. He was having trouble walking. He couldn't get up to go to the toilet himself, had to wait for his best mate to come in. And I asked twice. I asked for full scans of him. I said, there's something wrong. Can you please do a full scan? I said, he hit this wall at massive speed, head first, please. We, and they, they refused. The hospital refused twice. Oh, wow. And Dave and I made the decision, even though family and friends were encouraging me to put him on a plane, uh, he said, no, I want to drive home with you and the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, that probably saved his life for the second time that week because when we got home two days later, we found out he had four blood clots in his left calf that if we had to put him on that plane probably would have killed him on the flight home. Wow. That little voice of God. Oh, I had to tell you, he's been so good to us on so many occasions that, and we don't even know all the times he steered us in the right direction. But yeah, in that instance, it saved David's life. So obviously, you know, in your book, you then talk about a second accident. So, you know, he makes a recovery Mm -hmm. to a certain degree. (laughs) Gets back on a bike. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. I bet you have a a hate-hate relationship with bikes right now. Uh, (laughs) um, No, look, obviously the first accident, that was when our journey with mental health started. As Dave has never, he's never done medication ever. Doesn't even take Panadol or Panadine for a migraine. Um, He's always been about, exercise. So that's how he managed the mental health and the the challenges that he had. He learned some things to do, breathing exercises and that sort of thing to help him relax. And he got back on the bike. Um, For a cyclist, the biggest fear is getting hit from behind. And because he couldn't remember what happened, he, he doesn't really remember the actual accident, it played havoc with his head. And I think that's probably what perpetrated so much of our challenges over those next three or four years as he tried to to mentally navigate that journey, which only he can do. Yeah. You know, we, we couldn't help him with that other than love him and, and support him. So you mentioned that the mental health issue started. What was going on? Um, well, he was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, depression, panic attacks, anxiety. Whenever he got in a car, he would have a panic attack. And we lived about 20 minutes out of town. So to go to our GP for checkups, to go for physio, anything, we had to drive 20, 25 minutes. So for a long time, that would play with his head um he kept a lot of he didn't share a lot of that you know like a lot of blokes they don't feel comfortable talking about their feelings they don't feel comfortable having those conversations and that's a really big challenge for a spouse 
because you know something's not right. You know that the person you love is dealing with something that you can't help them. You don't know what's going on in their head. You just see the manifestation of whatever that is and the way they act, the way they speak, the way they react to things. And that's what you've got to deal with. So that was the journey we had to walk through. Our daughter at the time was, I think, seven or eight. Mm -hmm. She was in primary school and... I made the decision to move her to the local primary school because I just I couldn't keep doing the drive into the big regional area where she was going to school. Mm. And it was only weeks down the track when she said to me one night, Mummy, I'm having to get Daddy out of bed because he just sometimes he just didn't want to get up, you know. And for a small child, they shouldn't have to deal with that. You know, it was heartbreaking that she mm. w- was old enough to see what Daddy was going through and not know how to help him. Whereas Joshua was only three, so he didn't he didn't really understand. He just knew Daddy couldn't pick him up because his arm was all plastered up yeah so that was yeah the the challenge just having to navigate those minefields I guess for a family that had never experienced mental health Um, we have some friends that have you know had different aspects of it but it didn't impact us as a family it didn't impact the way we did our daily living Um, so it was a very new world for us it was one we weren't weren't equipped to deal with and that Easter I, I said we need to go back to church that Easter Sunday Right. I'd been invited to a um, a women's night the year before, and I'd really enjoyed it. The lovely ladies, I really enjoyed that whole fellowship of that session. So I said, we need help. Um, you know, yes, we were having counselling, but it, it wasn't working for us in the way we needed. So we went back to church. Uh, and look, we didn't get there every week. You know, we had sporting commitments and, and other things, and, and some weeks Dave just wasn't well enough to go but I joined a connect group a group of women and they were an older group of women and they were my guardian angels I would not have survived those four years if it hadn't have been for the love and the care and the wisdom like the godly wisdom these women poured into me over that time was just amazing and when we did go to church the men would gather around David they'd pray for him even when we weren't there they'd pray for him that's great they'd pray for the kids uh, it was life changing for us Our guests today are David and Kylie Payton. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Welcome back to Focus on the Family Australia. I'm Brett Ryan. All families have their fair share of challenges. Some go through them more publicly and dramatic than others. Today's guests, David and Kylie Payton, are one of the latter after David not once but twice nearly lost his life after two major bike accidents. So, David, I mean, we've heard how Kylie felt and what it looked like for her, but what did it look like for you through your eyes? The first accident, I spent about six months on the couch Mm -hmm. because I physically couldn't do a lot of things um, through bruised bones in the bottom of my feet, so I couldn't walk to the letterbox. And so I spent the majority of that on the couch, um, put on from memory about 20 kilos. And that was probably more where my depression and that came from rather than the accident. Yes, because cyclists are very lean. Yeah, even though it was the accident that caused it, Mm. it was what was happening after the accident that was probably causing the most stress to myself. Yeah, Mm. 
it's really hard now to think about what it was like then. Yeah. Because 2016 brought about an experience that makes 2011 look like I tripped over a paver in the front yard. Yeah. So what happened in 2016? So 2016, cut the chase and I died. And I know that because experience was enough and clear enough to know that that's what occurred. Um, But 2016, it was Easter 2016. Again, from memory, not an issue with the weather or anything other than we were out riding at six o'clock in the morning, so it was dark. Done this ride every Monday for probably six or seven years at that point. Same time, same place, same route. You could probably guarantee that we saw the same cars every morning because this is country Victoria, so there would be maybe three or four cars on our entire ride and they'd be the same three or four cars every day. So probably the same 10 blokes I rode with every Monday. Nothing changed. So predictable. Yeah, (laughs) nothing changed. Yes, you, you know you're running a risk because it's dark. We're in a country area, so there's loose dogs, there's foxes, cats, kangaroos. So you, you know that there's a risk, but if you're going to do it, you do it. So we did it. Um, this particular morning, everything was as normal. We've come up to oh, probably the last 15 minutes of our, our normal hour ride. It was just coming up sunrise and somebody in the group, there's a group of 10 of us, somebody's yelled kangaroo and it was a dead kangaroo that was actually on the road, um, on the edge of the road where we were riding because being competent cyclists, we were riding where we should be. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was about third or fourth bike back. We were in a like a, basically a single file line. The first couple saw it and called it and got out of the way. Um, by the time I'd heard, I didn't have a chance to move. So I've hit the kangaroo. Um, that's thrown me into the very middle of the lane on the other side, single lane going both ways. So I'm now in the middle of the lane on the wrong side of the road, on the ground. I've been told as I was getting up, I was hit by an oncoming four-wheel drive, which police reports say didn't have the chance to see me or stop, so therefore would have been at full speed, which would have been 80 kilometres an hour minimum because it was an 80 zone. Oh, goodness. Um, My goodness, man. Four-wheel drive you with a bull bar, and that's hit me as I'm getting up off the ground. Um, I can't believe you're here either. No, (laughs) and that's what I'm told. I don't know. I remember the calls of the kangaroo and hitting it, but I've got no memories of being hit by the car. Can I just ask you this question? How are the men who were cycling with you? Because for them to watch that unfold, that would have been horrendous. Yes, yes. I know several had a lot of trouble with it. Yeah. And were probably worse off than myself, mentally. Yeah. There were several that struggled for quite a long time. Yeah. And I don't know if if it's funny, but the funniest part of the story is that the person driving the vehicle we saw every morning worked with several of the guys that I ride with and would rubbish and abuse cyclists at work every morning of the week. (laughs) So here's somebody who is anti-cyclists, hits a cyclist and at this point to the local community they think has killed a cyclist, Mm. he wasn't in a good space. 
Oh, I can, can imagine. imagine. And he was not at fault, but he mentally never contacted me. I, I spoke to several people that were mutual friends and said, tell him to contact me. I don't have a problem with him. If it helps yeah. him by just talking to me to make sure I'm okay or to talk about what he was feeling or whatever, then fine. Tell him to do it. I don't yeah. have a problem. Because he was probably fearing that, geez, I'm not going to ring him because I've just changed his life and yeah. he's going to hate me for the rest of my life. And I didn't. Yeah. Um, so he went from somebody that would abuse cyclists over morning tea every day of the week to hitting a cyclist and changing his yeah. life. Yeah. Sorry to digress. I just thought it's a bigger picture. The domino uh, effect. Yeah, the domino effect. Yeah. Absolutely. And I... Again, I look back on the first accident and I don't think much of it anymore, but it changed our direction. Um, I was driving trucks at the time. We'd start from about midnight through till sort of 11 o'clock in the morning. And I remember saying to Kylie at the moment, thank God I had that accident and it didn't kill me because I was probably nights away from dying in a truck. You'd fallen asleep. Because yep. of the number of times it'd be woken up yep. by the sound of gravel on the side of the road yeah. before you're about to hit a tree or something mm. in a 15-tonne truck at 100 kilometres an hour. So I looked at that accident as a positive because I said, it just saved my life. Perspective. I'll yeah. never drive a truck again, so guess what? That ain't going to kill me. So, and you can look at it. Kylie and I have different faith. She's very much a church faith. Well, not church as in going to church. Um, I probably talk a lot of my story around just a faith that what was supposed to happen, happened. That day in 2011, I could have died and I didn't. So was it God pushing me into a certain direction at a certain place at a certain time so that I would experience something that wouldn't kill me but would possibly save me from dying later on? Yes, could easily be. Or was it just a bad luck coincidence in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I probably had to fight with that for quite a while. The second accident solved that problem for me because I shouldn't be here. And as good as my surgeons say they are, <laughs> um, they helped, but it's still, it's not because of them I'm here. I always like to think, as it says in the Bible, our days are written in God's book of life. And nobody can cut that short or make them longer. No. The real task, and I'm fighting it at the moment, is I can come to terms with the 2016 accident being for a reason. I know for a fact that out of the 10 blokes I was riding with that day, thank God it was me because I was the one of the 10 that had the abilities to cope and to deal with the consequences. Mm. So thank God that I was the one that was chosen. I'm happy to go through yeah. the journey to save any of them doing it because I know I can do it. So for with, you, Kylie, you're with, at the hospital now and you're hearing the news from the medical profession about all of his injuries. So what are they and what's going through your mind? Um, okay, so if I start at the top of his head, he had uh, a brain injury, broke his neck, broke his back, uh, both collarbones, shoulder, 14 ribs, his right wrist, his right knee, shattered his pelvis, lacerated spleen, both lungs collapsed, 
um, multiple abrasions, cuts over his legs, nearly lost his left eye. Yeah, so he was pretty beaten up. And what were they saying about his prognosis at this time? When I got there, his best mate and his wife had actually arrived before me and uh, his best mate was with me when the two emergency doctors came and spoke to us in a, a private room. You always know when you take into a private room in the emergency department, it's not good. And the first words they said to me were, we're most concerned about the brain injury and the spinal breaks because if his spinal cord has been severed, we can't repair that. And obviously the magnitude of his brain injury, same scenario. As they're saying that, I'm sitting there and I'm just going in my head, Lord, if he is going to be a vegetable, take him home now. The kids and I will be okay. Um, he wouldn't want to live like that. He wouldn't want us to have to travel that journey. Um, and I said, and Lord, if you've got a plan for him, you're going to have to work a miracle right now. Give all these doctors and nurses the skills they need to save his life. This is your call. And that's all I could do. Like, there was no point panicking. There was no point breaking down. It was in God's hands now. And uh, I spoke with the head of the trauma department quite a while later, and he said to me quite openly, he said, I cannot explain why David's still alive. He said, medically, he was a 10 out of 10. There's no medical explanation as to why he survived his injuries. They were that horrific and that um, serious that he should have died. Today's guest was Kylie and David Payton. Kylie is the author of Miracle Man. Her website is kyliepayton.com.au. For more information on mental health and caregiving, go to our website at families.org.au. And while you're there, sign up for our free e-newsletter and check us out on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Brett Ryan on behalf of Kate and the rest of the team. We look forward to you tuning in for part two of this conversation for Focus on the Family Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.